I mean, communications must not uh, complain about the tiny budgets that they have compared to marketing, because marketing can prove uh, what they put in and what they get out. And communications, yeah, is reluctant to to do that. It's often saying, yeah, we we do a relationship business and it's hard to measure. And all that is true, but there is a lot that that we can measure, uh, but we don't do that. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Future Ready Podcast, where we explore how to build and inspire future-ready workforces. My name is Anna Kötting, founder of Cozin and your host. This season, we are exploring how AI technologies will impact the corporate communications industry. Our guest today is highly experienced in driving tech transformations in the communications industry. His first one was the implementation of the fax in the 1980s. Since then, Thomas Michelite has built himself an impressive career leading comms departments and technology organizations such as IBM, Volkswagen and Microsoft. Recently, Thomas' expertise has culminated in the creation of the ComTech Working Group in Germany. Through this network, around 450 members discuss how to make comms more data-driven. A hot topic now is, of course, what role the AI revolution will play in helping us achieve this goal. And this is precisely what Thomas is here to discuss with us today. Thomas, welcome to the Future Ready podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thomas, we are both German, as one can obviously hear, but we <laughs> both decided to talk in uh, in English just because our audience is, is um, sitting um, in Europe and other countries. So, um, yeah, thanks for that too. Yeah, we do our very best. We do our very best, yeah. So before we start, let's tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, I know a bit about your background, interesting background. Um, tell us a little bit about your comms background and then maybe in a, in a second step, um, you know, what led you to your interest in new technologies for communications? Yeah, with pleasure. So yes, I, I work in communications for now 35 years, pretty long time. And the most of the time I uh, was involved in implementing of technologies in communications. That mm -hmm. started with a fax machine in uh, 1987. <laughs> so different type of technology, obviously. And it ended up with a newsroom in my capacity as a Microsoft uh, communications lead in, in Germany. And in the meantime, I spent a couple of years at Grundig, the consumer electronics company in Nuremberg, and also five years with IBM in, in Stuttgart. So uh, always in the capacity of the uh, head of corporate communications. Mm -hmm. So uh, with other words, I spent the majority of the years in, in comms technology companies. Uh, and with that... I clearly had a focus on dealing with the technology, be it to implement it in communications or to sell it or to talk about it or to, to evangelize it. So that that's uh, the background. And other that what you might think, I'm uh, not a technical person, I'm a lawyer by profession. Mm -hmm. But I also had to learn that uh, technology, even in communications, is uh, something that we need to adopt for us and to get our arms around. And, and, and that is clearly a, a trigger during my all of my career that I faced technology and embraced it. Interesting. And Thomas, you are spearheading a brilliant initiative called ComTech, where you essentially gather leaders from different companies to foster an, an open exchange about the future of digitalization in our um, corporate comms um, industry. Can you tell us a little bit about this? What was the trigger point for you to set this off? Yeah, so it's the working group, uh, ComTech, to, to be precise. And we have got like uh, 450 digital affine communications uh, practitioners who are member. It's uh, free of cost mm -hmm. and everybody can join. But the trigger actually was the European Communications Monitor Yeah. It was published back in 2021. Okay. And it was the first time when uh, the practitioners have been asked, uh, how important is uh, digitalization for you and your function? And next to 90% said that is important or very important, mm -hmm. with no surprise. Yeah, of course. But, but then the practitioners have been asked, and how capable do you feel to implement technology successfully in your function, be it infrastructure 
albeit stakeholder communications support tools, software mainly. Mm-hmm. And two thirds of the communications practitioners said, we don't feel mature to do that. So there's been a lot of words, a huge gap between the understanding that there is a need, a necessity to get forward on the path of the digitalization, but they can't. So that was that was uh, an alarm and uh, triggered us to found the Working Group Comtech Com- in order to make communications people more capable to give them a platform to exchange, to learn from best practices mm. and yeah, to proceed on, on their digitalization path. That was the, the, the starting point back in 21. Back in 21, yeah. And I can only highly recommend this. I'm, I'm also part of this community. I'm not as engaged as I would love to be, but uh, <laughs> it's super insightful to conversations with peers around this topic. So um, everybody who's interested, um, drop me a note or Thomas. So we know the term, what's more known is the term, I guess, MarTech, marketing tech. Right. So ComTech is, you know, relatively, you know, um, in earlier shoes. When it comes to MarTech, there is marketing activities such as audience targeting, audience acquisitions, customer retentions, and, and how to use technology for that. Tell us, educate us a little bit. What's the scope? How do you define the scope of ComTech? The scope is pretty much the same like MarTech. So it's yeah. the same mechanics. So, but the goal is obviously differently. So MarTech is, is about selling some, something to serve customers, right? While Comtech has a different goal, communications is about to create trust within their stakeholders. And exactly that is what Comtech would like to achieve. But mm-hmm. it's it's coming from the same perspective to have that funnel uh, starting with creating awareness. That is what communications does and where it in the most cases ends in these days. Mm-hmm. While marketing then really kicks it off from there, coming from awareness, creating interest, creating some sort of impact and ending up with creating confidence. And that is exactly describes the stakeholder journey that we would like to adopt within communications. And that is a completely new thought, which came up first in 2019 uh, from the Arthur Page Society in, in, in the US and is now spreading around the globe and creating more and more attention. So, and that is a disruptive thing, of course, because ComTech is not just digitalization of comms. Mm-hmm. It's a precondition. The digitalization is a precondition to do ComTech, to run that stakeholder journey, because you need all the stack of technology that marketing is using, like customer relationship management systems and mm-hmm. others, uh, to, to do that. Can you tell us, I think this is super interesting for our audience, can you tell us a little bit more about this stakeholder journey, uh, about the different the different steps of this journey and, and how digital or data is, is needed for these phases? Yeah, I mean, so it, it's, it's, it's starting with uh, awareness that could be, I'm talking about comms in this case, by sending out a press release, very traditional mm-hmm. thing. So, but what you would have in, in that case is, call to action, uh, which mm-hmm. would be included in that mm-hmm. press release. And the call to action could be visit that landing page, that website where mm-hmm. you can get additional information about the topic. And so you would measure who follows that call to action. Mm-hmm. It's not anymore just the media reach that you created, but it's about how many people took action and mm-hmm. go to that website. And then from there, you still don't know exactly who is visiting you because you mm-hmm. don't have any data at that point of time. But now the person who is interested might sign up for uh, a webinar or download mm-hmm. a white paper or something mm-hmm. like that. And then you get either a cookie consent or you get the data due to mm-hmm. that re- registration uh, process. And in that very moment, you're not talking anymore to an anonymous stakeholder group. You're talking to an individual Mm-hmm. And so the idea of Comtech is then to follow up with that individual by creating so-called digital engagement platforms where mm-hmm. you conduct that continuous dialogue mm-hmm. and lead the person then nurture it with the marketing people say from the awareness uh, uh, phase to the confidence phase and, and create that level 
of confidence and trust to, to that individual stakeholder. And that, that's a real difference because comms traditionally just created awareness, mm-hmm. sent out a press release, then stopped and sent out the next press release on, mm-hmm. a, on a different topic. Independently of, you, of one's individual needs and wants because we didn't exactly. have a clue what the individual stakeholders wanted. Exactly. So, and that is what you what you learn now right. these days. Mm-hmm. By that, you make the communications much more impactful because you do that what the stakeholder is expecting you to do, mm-hmm. and that that uh, creates a completely different quality level of comms, mm-hmm. but demands a completely different setup. So, we would need the customer relationship management tool to automate that process because we are now scaling things up it's not not enough anymore to have lunch with a reporter mm-hmm. uh, but to engage with maybe uh, thousands of uh, applicants talents that you would like to attract as an employer so mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that makes the big big mm-hmm. difference just one more question on this topic because you know my personal heart and the heart of cosin uh, beats very strongly for employee engagement this is what we love to do we we want to help organizations make our employees make sense of complicated transformation so i'm obviously triggered by this idea of this um, stakeholder journey and i wonder whether we could also apply this for you know and i know within our community we have conversations around this how to apply this internally for internal audiences they are obviously also one important um, target group and right now um, you know would like to hear your perspective but it's very much also you know the the absence of data that describes the internal comms often you know you, we, we publish things in the intranet and we sometimes we know often we know uh, quick click rates but that's about it we don't know exactly what you know how, how this will kind of trigger activation, trigger change, or, or uh, contributes to more trust, contributes to whatever criteria we define. Is this stakeholder journey idea also applicable for internal audiences? It, it is definitely. So it works the, in the very same uh, mechanics. And the stakeholder journey, and I missed to say that, uh, actually starts with uh, creating personas, uh, like marketing does. And so we are talking about uh, different personas uh, um, in our employee community as well. I mean, we have for the for the first time, uh, we have four different generations uh, participating uh, in in our working environment, um, and we all have, of course, uh, completely different uh, expectations uh, and de- demands um, when it comes to uh, how information and what information should be delivered, and by being able to end up with that one-size-fits-all approach, mm-hmm. uh, but really deliver uh, information that is relevant to the uh, respective audiences, that makes it uh, completely different. And um, so there is um, uh, there are scientific studies about that available who nicely describe how you could uh, proceed on that way and which touch points uh, would be most relevant in which of the uh, respective phases. So you can target uh, your employees, the, the individuals also by using that stakeholder model internally with, with, with big success. And in our book that we uh, published uh, recently. Yeah, we will we will put this in the in the show notes too, of course, yeah. Yeah, in that book, we, we specifically described that employee journey and the and mm. the stakeholder journey as an example how that could work. So the answer is clearly yes. It is very important for internal comms uh, people to to do that. We could talk only about this topic for an hour because obviously, then you know, knowing the different needs of the audience is one thing. Catering them with different internal channels is a totally different question. But let's pause this for a different conversation. You've touched a bit on this topic, but hit us with the truth as comms experts here, comms leaders. Where are we compared to our marketing colleagues when it comes to the use of uh, data? Yeah, I mean, it's a clearly and obvious that comms uh, has fallen back uh, uh, compared to marketing and other uh, functions like sales, HR, uh, marketing. Uh, so they are used to work with uh, with data, with numbers uh, for, for a very long time. 
And I mean, for some reason, comps people are a bit uh, agnostic versus data and numbers. And uh, including myself, as I said, I'm a lawyer and I'm I'm a lawyer because I wanted to escape the mint subjects. Um, and so I decided to study law because there is uh, less math uh, in there, at least I thought when I started that study. So with other words, that is part of the explanation why comms is lacking behind other functions. And we asked uh, communication practitioners, why do you think that communications is not involved in strategic decision-making mostly in, mm-hmm. in, in companies. And the answer that what we what we got is the other functions have more data where they can oh. uh, prove the value that they deliver uh, to the management while comms doesn't do that, at least not to that extent. With the obvious budget discussion that this will entail. Exactly. I mean, communications must not uh, complain about the tiny budgets that they have compared to marketing because marketing can prove Uh, what they put in and what they get out. And communications, yeah, uh, is reluctant to to do that. It's often saying, yeah, we we do a relationship business and it's hard to measure. Mm -hmm. And all that is true, but there is a lot that that we can measure, uh, but we don't do that. So you say there are different reasons why comms has fallen behind when it comes to being data-driven. With this in mind, let's dive into a recent report that you presented at your Comtech Summit in Hamburg at the end of November. What were the report's main insights and takeaways for you? Yeah, I mean, the good message is that comms is very positive versus technology. For instance, 75% of the comms people said they believe that uh, artificial intelligence um, is a big, opportunity chance for mm. for comms which is which is great only six yeah. percent say artificial intelligence is a threat so the basics finding is really positive the other thing is that only four percent of the communications department assess themselves as very progressed in digitalization mm-hmm. and uh, feel themselves as innovators and the vast majority of communications functions, and also agencies, PR agencies, by the way, feel behind. Mm-hmm. And that correlates clearly to that index that, that we have published. And the, the index is currently on 45 points out of 100. So 100 would be full digitalization of everything, use of contact and, and so on. So uh, there is a lot of room for improvement. Mm-hmm. Um And the, that is the, the clear finding of the report matching what the European Communications Monitor has found out two years ago, that there is a high interest, a positive attitude versus technology. But when it comes to how is technology used, then... Clearly, there's that, that is not that much. We haven't closed really or advanced really on this knowing-doing gap that you've exactly. already figured out in 2021. Exactly. When you when you look how, for instance, uh, communications manages projects, then um, the largest tool what they use is Planner, and then comes Excel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, clearly, uh, demanding communications tasks cannot be supported by by this type of software. So yeah, there's yeah, something yeah. different needed, right? And that goes through the entire job profiles and wherever you look in, there is a strong interest in doing things, but a, re- a big, big gap in uh, the capability to do so. And again, that is where we as a working group Comtech attempt to support, to help, to exchange best practices in order to um, help communications people really to overcome that that burden. Interesting. So let's dive a little bit more into this, how to become a data-driven communication organization. Explain to us, please, what describes a data-driven comms organization in your perspective? So how does this organization work? How do they set objectives? How do they evaluate performance, etc.? Yeah, all of what you said 
uh, would would be an approved for data driven uh, organization. At first, uh, I mean, it, it really starts with a paradigm shift mm-hmm. from sending out continuously something, yeah? mm-hmm. uh, and and the paradigm shift would be much more to become a listener and to observe, to be the sensor and understand what people out there think about your company, about the organization, about the products, about the solutions that they they offer. And that communications uh, would be the the function within the organization who really makes that transparent and helps the management to make the right decisions. So communications could change their, their role within the company by taking up that challenge and mm-hmm. to become the sensor of the company and mirrors what the outside outside mm-hmm. world is, mm-hmm. is thinking. So that is first step, and I think it's it's really really important. The other thing, uh, by doing that, you would uh, be able not just to get better data on what went well or did not went well, but also you could use then the real-time data that you collect to steer communications, which makes a huge, huge difference. For instance, if you look at the performance of a recent posted um, blog post and uh, you find out that this does not get the same attention as similar blog posts that on the same or similar topics that you uh, posted uh, previously, uh, then you can take it up and uh, change the headline or use a different picture of things like that, so A-B testing stuff and so on, so that you would be able to improve uh, the communications quality by using data that, that help you then to take the right decisions. Mm-hmm. So that that would is, is an example. So in, in, in general, so there's a lot of data basically available but the data is uh, hidden in silos uh, between different functions like marketing, where often mm. the social media listening stuff takes place. Okay. Uh, and other functions like HR, they have data about... Engagement topics or something. Right. So, so things like that. So if you think about uh, to, to bring all these data together in a yeah. so-called command center, we, we call it like that, then communications would be able to deliver uh, specific data, specific reportings to functions like marketing, like HR, like uh, sales and the management, uh, the C-level, to help them to steer the entire company better than, than before. Because what you see is that many, many decisions, even board decisions, are based on gut feeling and not on data. So they are not often much better. And so in, in companies, often this is done by business intelligence units or so where they kind of centralize or aggregate the available data and try to kind of facilitate decision-making processes. There are some organizations who have yeah. that, uh, but the vast majority don't. So that is, I think, a huge playing ground that okay. we could step in. So I'm hearing from you a call for comms leaders to step up in this role. I love your phrasing of, becoming the sensor of the organization and providing the organizations with insights about how it's perceived by different stakeholder groups, what's out there, what topics emerge. Obviously, this offers a totally different proposition and positioning of corporate comms departments. Now, my sense is sometimes when I talk to communications leaders about this, they almost feel hesitant of claiming this new proposition because they feel they might become a competition to the strategy department, which is typically the broker of intelligence within the organization. There seemed to be a a lack of confidence to truly step up into this space. Is that something that resonates with you? Yeah, I mean, so it's it's not the case that communications leaders are bored by their day. They are driven by by so many tasks that they already do hard to fulfill. And they, I, I can understand that they say, I, I cannot take over additional jobs with uh, shrinking resources in mm-hmm. terms of budget and people, which is often the case. 
my answer to that is communications must become much more strategic. And that does also mean that we get rid of tasks that are routine and that are not paying into our strategic goals. And that is often, and I know that from my own uh, time as a communications leader, uh, that the most, uh, the hardest thing is to take a decision to stop something. And uh, But that is what, what we need to do. And by doing that, we, we create the space, the capacity to take over these much more strategic uh, tasks. And that is, a, that is a game changer or could be a game changer for comms. You mentioned in your report that there is a big interest in this topic. Yet, when it comes to action, there is a significant gap. There are also various studies that analyze how good companies are shaping cultures that really embrace new technologies, such as AI. And the key insight, most companies are really lagging behind. They don't have a culture that really embraces new technologies. Does this match with your experience? And if so, why do you think this is the case? Yeah, you know, using data to become digitized uh, has some consequences, which people sometimes don't like. So. The data create transparency. So you become comparable with others and also your success, your individual success becomes transparent and could be measured. Some people don't like that. If you live in a culture where you hide your results and you don't even know what your neighbor worker is, is really doing, that is not a culture uh, which embraces the, the use of, of data. So that Data is uh, is a gift for us, but it it's it is also perceived as uh, as a threat when it uh, when it comes to to, to the, those perspectives. And um, the more you come from a traditional old-fashioned culture, let me phrase that this way, uh, the more reluctancy is um, visible to uh, embrace those data-driven. Interesting approach, right? So I would say the, the real explanation is multidimensional. It's much more difficult really to, to differentiate that uh, properly. But I would identify these reluctancies as a main uh, driver for being unable really to, to become a data-driven. And are there also geographical differences in this uh, kind of openness to data? That's hard to say. That's hard to say. I, I mean, in, in general, when you look to the to the US, they are uh, for much longer time data driven. Even communications is much more mm. data driven in the US rather than uh, in in Europe. But by the way, in Germany, compared to other European countries, we are not that bad. So that is uh, also what uh, was be approved by our our Comtech Index Report partner Caliber. Uh, who has experiences with uh, comms departments around the globe and who say Central Europe and specifically Germany isn't, isn't, isn't that bad compared to the rest okay. uh, of, of, of Europe, uh, but lags behind the US. So that, that, mm -hmm. is, that is what we can uh, say right now. We touched base a little bit on this topic of who owns the data in an organization. Yeah. Now, obviously, the typical point where you would also assume, is, as we discussed also, is IT department. Sometimes in recent years, and I was also part of an organization there where you have then the chief digital officer also mm. uh, there. And so... Typically, these people leave companies very quickly or yeah. uh, there's a high rotation of this. It's, it's interesting. We looked into this. There's a high rotation of these people in organizations. Yeah. So um, how do you make sense of this? Yeah, you know, I mean, when you look at the setup, not always, but sometimes, then you, then you see that CDOs, the chief digital officers, being implemented separately to separated to the IT department. They they. they are in a direct reporting line to the CEO, mm -hmm. uh, but they do not have the legs and arms and the, the capability really to make things happen that the visionary uh, mm -hmm. have developed. And, and there's often a conflict between the CDO and the traditional IT department. And uh, so, and, and if the, the CDO doesn't have the 
the power really to then implement the stuff he's fighting for, then the, it will be uh, frustrating for for the CEO, and that's mm-hmm. what then happens. They leave. So, uh, having said that, at the same time, I think it's an important role which uh, should be available or implemented in in, in every company. So, mm-hmm. some somebody who is thinking forward and creates, let me say, some sort of master plan where the where the company should head to in terms mm-hmm. of what impact digitalization has on the, the business model. How can we cope with that digital transformation? And what are the specific goals that, that we set for the company? And this is not typically, typically not coming from the IT department. Mm-hmm. So and mm-hmm. you don't get that from there. Yeah. Um, in many cases, let's say that to be fair. Let's connect all these threads to the topic of AI now. AI obviously can be a goldmine for the structural integration of data in company-wide decision-making processes and many other areas. First of all, where do you see the main potential for AI in corporate communications departments? And can you give us an overview of the most relevant fields of application? Okay, so, uh, I mean, you... you, you Clearly, uh, AI has an impact on each and everything. What what comes does mm-hmm. it, it starts with the with the with the brainstorming idea finding, where obviously uh, large language models could could help a lot, at least to 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 speed up to mm-hmm. to, to, to become more efficient. The same is true for the uh, for the production of of content, be it text, mm-hmm. be it. Uh, picture, be it uh, video, mm-hmm. many, many of these jobs could be yeah, improved time-wise and to, to create space for taking uh, up other, other stuff. Mm-hmm. We talked about that already. Also, when it comes, for instance, to setting up Q's and A's, briefing documents, mm-hmm. and what you see is that for all of that, you there coming up specific uh, GPTs or mm-hmm. uh, AI uh, tools that fulfill this very, very uh, easily within, with a with an UI, uh, what uh, does not force you to first learn too much about it. It's, yeah. it's easy, easy to handle. And when we look in the near future, uh, even the prompting engineer, which is uh, now mm-hmm. celebrated, is something that would likely will disappear because it's it's much too complicated to to do this prompting. Mm. So it will be more kind of embedded in the technologies. We don't even need to exactly actively think about this anymore. It's in the machine room, but but not mm. on the uh, surface. So those are were the things like content creation, uh, idea generation. What about things like, I mean, there is areas of things like social listening, corporate foresight. So really spotting trends, developments, positioning opportunities, etc. Can you elaborate a little bit on this on your... Yes, of course. I mean, we talked about that censoring. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And yeah, and, and artificial intelligence is, uh, is the key technology to to make that happen. So uh, when it comes to uh, finding out which topics are discussed uh, and how they are they trending and what is the tonality, uh, you cannot do that with the traditional analytics tools. They don't help you that. Mm-hmm. Or you need to be, need people to read and to evaluate uh, stuff, which is costly and time-consuming. And artificial intelligence is capable to do that very, very quickly for much lower prices. So you are absolutely right. And uh, we asked the communications practitioners okay. in our contact report where they do see the biggest impact uh, of, of digitalization and artificial intelligence uh, in comms. And they say in data analytics, they see the, the biggest impact. And I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But literally, you can take each and any um, uh, function, each and any role, and you will always see a significant impact on advantage of what AI mm-hmm. could bring you. You just said that there is a, a lot of, I would say, non-value-adding tasks that could be automized. You mentioned things like, you know, simple, co- like content, basic content creation, at least starting with some ideation process and all that, 
so that people can use more of their time. Now, obviously, that's always a difficult one. And we had this also in my previous podcast with uh, with Payam. I mean, how do you see the impact like on the people's, on the resource side and people's side incomes? Do you really think we still need the same number of people doing this? Because then all the resources that, that we save in from not doing spending time on on operational tasks, we can really use for strategic and planning and foresighting tasks? I mean, that's difficult to predict. I mean, clearly is that uh, we save time, we save resources. Mm -hmm. But I'm personally convinced that there, there is a strong need to invest in communications mm -hmm. and not to reduce resources. Mm -hmm. But the the reality often is that the opposite is the case. So that they are there is that pressure on resources. Uh, I at least uh, <laughs> went th through those uh, organizational changes my entire professional uh, career. So and and AI uh, might be another lever to make to make those mm -hmm. things happen. But um, It would be a mistake. So, mm. but I'm 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 a bit reluctant to really make a prediction here how that mm. how that uh, ends up. You created a perfect segue for me for another dimension when you talk about AI and corporate comms. Because on the one hand, yes, of course, as a department are impacted by AI, but we also have the responsibility, and here I'm talking more about internal comms and employee engagement, the responsibility to help also the organization making sense of this transformation and navigate through this uh, tr right. transformation, also help our leaders to do this. I mean, AI will really con bring, you know, a big huge change on all levels, like on interpersonal level, on company level, in decision makings, in, in how we do creative work, how we do administrative work. So much so that, for example, the Boston Consulting Group has defined the successful AI adaptation as, and I quote, the most difficult change management challenge leaders will uh, are facing today. So how do you think internal communication professionals can can play a role in fostering an, an AI-ready culture, addressing employees' concerns, empowering leaders, and, and also, in general, promoting a more positive attitude towards AI integration? Yeah, I mean, AI, of course, is the biggest beast that we, that we see here, but all organizations are going through a huge transformation mm -hmm. uh, which which is accelerated by artificial intelligence but they are all in mm -hmm. for for a couple of years and 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 this continuing and uh, i see that there is a huge opportunity for comms also to step in here and mm -hmm. become a major player in driving those transformation but what is the reality right now Uh, leaders mostly look at HR when it, mm -hmm. uh, it comes to um, those transformation processes and to to, to steer them uh, because they have to do something with people. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, the, the truth is that HR uh, does not have um, such things in their genes. They are good in, in, in talent acquisition and in payroll and in uh, mm -hmm. training and things like that, but not in change. But in comms neither so it's also not in the comms genes to really, <laughs> it's, uh, it's good I, i was i was i was already anticipating a lot of h leader <laughs> hr leaders who all got frantic yeah and. so i mean the, that is an opportunity in my yeah. microsoft times i encouraged my my people in internal communications also uh, all to to become certified change mm -hmm. managers and coaches and that is exactly what uh, what opened that opportunity to mm -hmm. say Mm -hmm. We are not just uh, hanging the posters in the aisles, but mm -hmm. to drive the transformation pro programmatically. Mm -hmm. um, and that is not just true for AI. I know that you asked, uh, how, is, how can we deal with AI? I think AI is the most dramatical shift mm -hmm. that, that, is, that is coming. Uh, but it, that it's, uh, there are so many transformations taking place al already, not mm -hmm. looking uh, to AI that it's worth really to build up that muscle in, in, in comms and mm. to be able to, to support for, for the time being. Uh, I doubt a bit that, that uh, communications uh, with, its, with its current capabilities mm. is in the situation, is able to really deliver that properly. 
but mm. we could and we should. So you say there's still some more work to do to level up our game, our skills, to steer um, teams toward change? Right. You, can, you, you cannot drive transformation programs when, when you are an, uh, an intranet editor. Yeah. So that is, yeah. that is not enough. But if we have the chance that the intranet editor could be replaced by artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. then that intranet editor likely could step up and to become a program manager uh, in a digital transformation program. It's another, it's another um, question that follows really nicely on that one, which is around the skills that's needed in the future. Of course, that's also a little bit tricky to uh, anticipate. You already mentioned your hypothesis that even today's often quoted prompt engineers will not be needed so much in the future. Exactly. So what recommendation do you have to, to corporate comms leaders and employees? What skills will be essential to thrive um, in the future? Yeah. So in general, I would say a basic digital literacy mm -hmm. is needed. A basic data literacy is, is needed. We cannot expect our comms people all to become data analysts. That will not be the case. Mm. And uh, I would say our primary scope should be what has ever been our scope, that is, is to be the, the storyteller. And they are, mm. uh, there should be a data analyst in addition, uh, but not replace the storyteller uh, through data analysts. That would not make sense. So beyond that, as we uh, talked about The stakeholder journey and the mechanics that mm -hmm. uh, uh, come from marketing, actually. Mm -hmm. So the what we have in performance marketing in these days, we need to build up that very same muscle also in communications. So community management and those capabilities that that have helped to identify target target audiences mm -hmm. to have targeting mechanics, retargeting mechanics, all, all kind of that. So the the from this from the skill picture, uh, marketing and communications come much closer, merge, blur, if you want so. Some organizations do create Marcom um, organizations or structures, so they merge marketing and communications. What's your perspective then on this? I mean, the potential added value is that marketing could help communications level up its data game. So would this be a good thing? It's a good thing as long the communications leader becomes the function <laughs> leader. <laughs> yeah, and there is a good there's a good reason for that. I mean marketing is dealing with customers mm -hmm. once with, with one stakeholder group. While communications has the a much larger scope. Mm -hmm from left to right. And it would be a strange picture if that function with just the responsibility for one mm -hmm. target group uh, would lead the entire organization. And in many cases, it's it's the communications leader who, who took over then the entire responsibility. My former uh, boss, John Iwata at IBM, became like 15 years ago the, uh, the communications and marketing uh, mm -hmm. VP that he was one of the first leaders who came in that role. And you see that more and more. Mm. I think marketing and communications definitely uh, need to work much closer. There's no escape door. <laughs> in the past 30 years, uh, we, we have always been talking about integrated communications and concepts uh, like that. And then we went back in our offices and closed the door and, uh, <laughs> and did what we, what we ever did. And you cannot do that anymore. And uh, that has that has changed. And that's the reason why, for instance, newsroom concepts uh, are in place where independently of the organizational structure, uh, you have processes that, that brings the functions together. And, uh, and so far, I believe that there are a couple of, of options that you can have from an organizational standpoint, but there you don't have any other options than to collaborate when it comes to, to newsrooms models and the, the goal to, 
to be commonly successful. How do you see the role or the potential of AI when it comes to internal knowledge management? Since I have started my career, there was always this conversation around within organizations, like if we only know what we know and other things like the famous silo mentality. Mm -hmm. So there is not enough sharing of, in, of information between functions, between geographies. The current intranets and also any other kind of community-led initiatives where you try to informally foster this knowledge extension really didn't work. So there's still a lot of we reinvent the wheel multiple times within the organizations. Mm -hmm. Where I personally think this is the, the biggest potential for AI in terms of this leveraging, really making knowledge management work in an organization. Where, what's your perspective? Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. And the, the, the reason why that has been so extremely difficult to overcome is that we had these data silos. Mm -hmm. uh, and and you had all the data, but you have it in different formats in different places, and you you couldn't access it. So mm -hmm. in these days, and that an AI is is helping. So all the databases, independently from what format uh, they have, they, they they become vectorized and accessible uh, for large language models uh, who crawl then all these data and make them independently from where they sit accessible and on your fingertips. So mm -hmm. and, and my former employer, Microsoft, is doing a pretty pretty good job on that with uh, the, the uh, co-pilot uh, product. Yeah, exactly. Which uh, they most recently announced. So, and uh, they do exactly exactly that. Uh, you have your co-pilot window, and that window uh, opens you the entire internal world, uh, but also the external world. And that is uh, the mm -hmm. really game changer. And then you have... Uh, Viva Ask, which is an, a nice tool exactly to um, to give you the access to all the knowledge within the company and to find the right people who have the knowledge. So it's a great experience and saves a lot of time. And if you know that like 20% of the, the daily work time is spent on searching something, uh, that is a big, big lever to become more productive as an organization. I mean, we will also have a separate conversation on that topic only, on Microsoft topic. And I believe they will, you know, build up their, their dominance in this field um, even more with, with, these, with the power of the co-pilot tool and all that. Yeah, as a shareholder, I can only applaud. <laughs> Great. Now let's look into the last question, which is around, you know, obviously AI can be, be seen in two ways. On the one hand, it can help us progress towards a goal, using it as a tool to work, uh, you know, and uh, to increase our efficiency. Yeah. But on the other hand, it can also be a potential kind of catalyst to help us gen generate insights that, that can help us even to set the right goals. So where do you see AI? Um, is, it, is it supposed to, to set goals or help us achieve goals? I mean, I personally believe, I'm convinced that AI could help us to, to set new goals. When we look at what practitioners uh, tell us uh, currently, they, they primarily see AI as a tool to become more efficient, to mm. save time and, and yeah. cost. And uh, I think that that's a big misunderstanding what AI could uh, help us to, to deliver. When you think back to the, to the stakeholder journey uh, thing, mm, you, you would need... Digitalization and uh, even it would be even better with the use of AI to do that uh, stakeholder uh, approach, which is not uh, yet really landed in the, mm -hmm. in the profession. And if uh, we look at what people told us in the in the most recent report, the Comtech Index report, so uh, stakeholder management. Uh, ranks below in the, in, the, in, the, in the lowest levels. And that is clearly an indication that communicators uh, do not have understood by now what opportunities they, they have with the use of, of AI. And um, that is as, uh, something we as uh, working group Comtech uh, would like to evangelize, not to see AI just as the 
productivity empowerment tool, but as an innovation tool, what it is. That is my call to action. To think about uh, what you could do with the help of AI, how you could uh, uh, even implement new business model for communications if you use it properly. So there will be still some work for you to do on your mission <laughs> to create more understanding within the organization. So you said your trigger, your starting point was 2021. When will you be done with your mission to create this understanding? No, you know, so technology is evolving uh, each yeah. and every day. Yeah. So um, we had the, had a discussion whether the, the working group Com Comtech should stop their activities at a certain point. And then we realized we will never mm -hmm. reach that point because technology is developing so quickly so that we remain in the situation that we need to, to speed up, that we need to uh, deal with technology each and every day and we will, we will not uh, overcome that. Mm -hmm. So we will, there, there is a strong need to speed up and if you stand still, you lose. Mm -hmm. No, that's a perfect way to close this podcast. Thomas, thank you so much for your time, for all these interesting thoughts on, on, on this topic. We will definitely link your book, which I can only recommend. I have it at my bookshelf at home. Uh, link to the report. We will also link to the, I think you have a website from your working group. Yes, AG Comtech. Perfect. So whoever is interested to join me and Thomas in this working group, then uh, you're more than welcome. Is this also an English-speaking group or is this all only in, in German? Yeah. It, it, so the, the working language is German. German yes. working language is still German. Thank you so much and on all the best for your working group and for evangelizing uh, the <laughs> topic of digitalization and AI in corporate comms. Thank you, Anne. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks. Hi there, and thank you for listening to Future Ready. Future Ready is produced by Cozin, a global communications agency on a mission to help employees make sense of complex transformations. Find out more at wearecozin.com. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review or forward this show to someone who you think will love it. Thank you very much for this and until very soon. <laughs>